praise God. Thank God he's so good and wonderful. I have high, high, high expectations for the next 21 days uh, for not just me or the church or whatever, but for you as individuals. Some of you have never fasted before, that you've never, you've never gone down this journey before. And uh, uh, I could tell you the, the first thing about fasting, what I'm going to endeavor to do this morning is to give you the who, what, where, when, and why of fasting minus the words. So I want to look at, I mean, the where. So I want to look at four things. What is fasting? Who in the Word of God fasted? Uh, why we fast? And then our fast, the duration, when we'll be fasting and what all of that entails. Those of you that have never fasted before, I encourage you to maybe take it easy or take it light. I've put out there that this is a 21-day, no meat, no sweet fast. If you have a special diet or reasons, medical reasons, things. Listen, if you're on insulin or you, if you have to have sugar to survive or something, please don't let me kill you. Uh, that, the, the object of this is not for you to be worse at the end of it, but for you to be better at the end of it. I encourage you to consult a physician. If, you've, if there's certain things about that and you know whether or not that's the case, then I encourage you to not go that route. If you've never fasted before, you may want to start a three-day or do a seven-day or do a ten-day and, and find things that, that you're willing to to fast. My kids are not participating in this, but I asked my kids, I told my kids what a fast is, and I said, do you want to fast something? And Ansley said she wanted to fast something. I don't remember what it was. Uh, Noble says he wants to do it, and Noble really had a great attitude. I was quite proud of him, because most of the time people are like, I'll fast rutabagers. Well, you don't like rutabagers, so rutabagers ain't going to work. I mean, you can't fast mushrooms if you're allergic to them, dodo. Uh, but Noble, he says, I said, Noble, you want to fast uh, sweets or meats? He says, he says, well, I really don't like sweets anyway, and I don't even know how we're related. Uh, <laughs> he says, I really don't like sweets anyway. So he says, that wouldn't be tough. I don't want to fast that. So he says, I'll fast meat. And I said, well, man, go on ahead with your bad self. But I said, no, why don't you just start with seven? You know, why don't you do seven days with no meat instead of doing the full 21? So whatever situation or however you want to do this, then I, I, I encourage you uh, to, uh, to, to do something. But let me say this. If it doesn't matter to you, it won't matter to him. So you have to pick something that's going to matter to you. If rutabagas don't matter to you, then it ain't going to matter to him. And the thing is, we're not trying to impress God. And I'm going to go through uh, all of this as far as what it is. So let's just start with that. What is fasting? Fasting is with uh, 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 abstaining from something natural for a spiritual purpose. You're taking something natural and you're saying, I'm going to cut that out of my life because I want something spiritually to happen for me or to me. 99% of the time in the Word of God, it's food. Now, you could fast other things, fast Nintendo or whatever. Whenever we were children's pastors for 12 years, we took kids, we had kids that, that, that we taught on fasting, and we had 6-year-olds, 8-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds that, that we successfully, they did awesome, man. The kids did better than the parents the kids lots of times they exercise better self-control than their mother and father which is sad but for refreshing because it's the next generation can I get an amen they had some self-control and restraint but they would fast and then uh, you know their video games that's a big deal if you can get a kid not some of these kids it's like they're in the thing 
They're so into it, and they would give it up for a week or 14 days, however long we were doing it. And their parents would come and say, my kid is really, my kid is really, my kid is really. And they would inspire their parents. It's really amazing. So there are things outside of food that you could fast. We're doing no meats, no sweets. So you're abstaining or refraining from that. For the purpose of it's a spiritual exercise. Now everybody likes, uh, likes to increase financially. Can I get an amen? amen? Come on man. Everybody likes to increase financially. Everybody likes to increase health wise or, or in their body. They like to get better. And we'll go to some extreme length sometimes to uh, 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 reach that goal. But lots of times, spiritually, we don't want to do any spiritual exercises. And therefore, we're weak, wimpy Christians. Now, I, now y'all know me. I love we have fun, all that kind of stuff. But, but I'm going to challenge you. I'm not going to allow you to sit your butt in these comfortable chairs for the rest of your life without some red letters slapping you in your grill. And this is a spiritual exercise, and it is exercise, and it stinks. Me and my wife, we do CrossFit, but I haven't been for like a month, probably six weeks. Well, I went day before yesterday. Good Lord Jesus, I love you. It's horrible. Worst decision of the week. My God, it was horrible. And the thing is, me and Mike and some other guys, we went and saw that movie uh, uh, with Mark Wahlberg about the guy that's, he's a Navy SEAL. Oh, man, if you go see that movie, I think everybody in America should go see that, even though there is some cussing. That's my disclaimer, but they are getting their face shot at. And I'm not saying that you should be cussing if you're getting your face shot at. I'm just saying that there is some uh, language in there, but that's it. But it's a great movie, but it's these guys that are Navy SEALs. And the punishment they self-inflict on themselves in order to be qualified as a Navy SEAL is ridiculous. I mean, it just shows you their actual training and the stuff that they do uh, voluntarily. No, ain't nobody making them do this. If you want to be a SEAL, this is what it's going to take. And most of the people that sign up do not finish. But once you're a frog, that's what they call him. This man is sitting there after he's been shot in the head, he's been shot in the arm, he's been shot in the side, and he's starting to shake. And the other guy looks at him and says, suck it up, you're a frog. Man, I like him. I'm glad I'm not him, but I like him. Literally shot in the head, and he looks at him and he says, let's go, suck it up, you're a frog. Golly. Well, the only problem is I show up for CrossFit the next day. I show up for CrossFit and they're doing a wad, which is workout of the day, called Murph. And it's a fallen soldier's wad. It's a tribute to the fallen soldiers. So I walk in after having seen this the night before and it's a Murph. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going home. I don't even want to be here. But then that movie, it just reminded me of that movie of just the sacrifice of these men that do it for our country. And they get paid, but it ain't enough. And I start this, this wad, man. And the wad is you got to, and it's all for time, you got to run a mile. You got to do 300 squats, 200 push-ups, 100 pull-ups, and then run another mile. And it's for time. And you don't want to be the last one, weenie. There's women in there that will make a grown man cry. And you don't want to be that man. So, man, it's just like, I could tell you, and, and, 
and it's exercise. And you go into it knowing what it's going to do to you. But the results are worth the pain. And if you can do it for the seals and if you can do it for your body which will one day be eaten by worms. If you can do it for your finances that who knows what the economy of the United States of America is going to be in 10 years. If you can make those sacrifices for things that are temporary. The Bible says that the temporary, the things that you can see are temporary. The things that you can't see are eternal. And the things that you can't see last forever. Your body's temporary. But your spirit, man, will live forever. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians that you are a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. You're one person. Mike Williams is one man. But he is Mike Williams the spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. 99% of the people on this planet and probably 99.9% of the people in the penitentiary are not bad people. It's just that they allow their body to rule them. But God's design for you was for your spirit to rule you. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. And Jesus, His design, God's design, is for your spirit to be the one that controls your life. Most people, their five senses control their life. And fasting is a spiritual exercise that tells your body, I'm the boss. You're not the boss, I'm the boss. The real me is the boss. Paul said it this way. Paul said, he says, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection to me. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, me, my spirit, the real me, the part that's going to go to heaven whenever I die, I bring the temporary part of my life, my body, under subjection of me. In other words, there's a tear there. And most people put first place is their body. When I'm tired, I sleep. Whenever I'm hungry, I eat. And whenever I see that girl, I pursue. And they're, they're moved by their body. Get, they, they go that route. Jesus said it this way. He wants us. He says, I live by my spirit. And my father is a spirit. And those that worship me must worship me in the spirit. And Galatians 5.16 says that if you will walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, if you will walk according to your spirit, you won't walk according to your body. And that's the goal. And fasting is just an exercise to make that goal more possible. To where you're saying, I'm willing to do without so that I can tell my body, the real me. But Because listen, listen, I pastor, preach, teach, all that kind of good stuff. But my body's just like your body. It stinks, gets hungry, gets lazy, likes to sleep, likes her fingernails. Scratch me. Scratch me. Scratch my back. Scratch me. Same thing. Golden Corral. How many of y'all seen that commercial? Not one, not two, but three fountains. A chocolate fountain, a white chocolate fountain, and a caramel fountain. All three at the Golden Corral. My body's just like your body. It likes all the same things. But our bodies will get us in trouble. Think about Adam and Eve. What did, what did, what did Adam, what happened with Adam and Eve? First thing, their body got them in trouble. Because the Bible says that Eve saw the food. She saw that. And the Bible says that she saw that it was good 
to eat. She sees it. How she know it was good to eat? She didn't. But after looking at that thing, she just assumed, that's some good looking fruit right there. She, and, and, and her appetite for that thing literally took her out of the will of God. God created a garden for them, gave them a purpose, gave them all the resources to be God's man on the planet. He says, this is my earth. I'm giving it to you. Take dominion over this earth. And literally their appetites pulled them right out of the will of God and ruined everything. Think about Sodom and Gomorrah. All of us think of Sodom and Gomorrah as the demise due to sexual sins. But if you read Ezekiel chapter 37, uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, I'm going to read it to you because we think that that, that that's really the problem of Sodom. But Ezekiel 16 verse 49, it says, Behold, this was the iniquity of Sodom. Number one, pride. Number one, pride. Number two, overabundance of food. For real? Overabundance of food. Number three, prosperous ease. They were idleness or they were lazy with hers and her daughters. Neither did they strengthen the hand of the poor. And they were haughty, again, pride. And they committed abominable offenses before me. Therefore, I removed them whenever I saw it. So in other words, we always think of the abominable offenses, but there was other things there that destroyed Sodom. And one of it was not just their sexual appetites, but all their appetites. And their pride. Think about Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. Esau was the oldest brother. Jacob was the younger brother. And, and the oldest brother always is the heir to the throne. Think about Prince William and Prince Harry. Prince William is going to be the next king of England. What's Harry going to be? His brother. That's it. He's going to be the brother. He's not the oldest. Here Esau was in line for all of the anointing, the blessing, the inheritance of his daddy. But the Bible says that Esau got hungry and he sold his birthright to his younger brother, the Bible says, for a bowl of beans or red stew. He gave up everything in order, every, everything he gave it up in order to satisfy a very uh, normal, natural, fleeting appetite. Because how many of y'all know after about two hours, what was he again? Hungry. Hungry. He gave it up. He gave up something eternal for something temporary. And what I'm asking for you to do is to not just look at the temporary, but to begin to lift up your eyes, the Bible says, and look unto the eternal. And recognize it's a spiritual exercise. I'm so sore from those 300, those 300 squats I can't, I shouldn't even going to go there. It's difficult to do certain things. I'm so sore. That's how sore I am from doing 300 squats as fast as I can. It's very, very, very sore. I'll just say that. And yet, I did it. And you know what? Tomorrow, you know where I'll be? Back at CrossFit. And that angry lady... My trainer, my angry trainer will be again pushing me, encouraging me, let's go. You can do it. So that's, what, that's my job this morning is I'm encouraging you and challenging you to do a spiritual exercise, some of you for the first time in your entire life, and let God show up 
And I promise you this, he will. And it may not be something supernatural. Many times whenever I fasted, it'll be months, months later, sometimes years later, and something supernatural will happen to my wife and I, and the Lord will remind me, that was when you fasted. I'm like, Lord, that's like four years ago. And he'll remind me, yeah, but you did it. And you wanted to not do it, but you did it. Back whenever, I guess 13 years ago now, whenever I was in Bible college, uh, whenever I was in Bible college, the Lord challenged me, and I was only maybe 21 years old, the Lord challenged me, and uh, I'm in Bible college, he says, I, I don't want you to eat 24 hours a week, so I want you to fast one day a week, so from Wednesday at lunch, I would eat, and then I wouldn't eat again from Thursday until lunch, and I did that for a year, many, many, let's, let's, just, let's just get real, every one of those days stunk. I can't say many of those days stunk. No, they all were difficult. Especially for a 21-year-old. All of them were difficult. And yet the Lord just challenged me, challenged me to do that. To be like Paul and said, I bring my body into subjection. Months and years after that, the Lord would show me. Because you did that. That's why this opened the door up to you. In other words, the Bible says God wants to trust us with true riches. What are true riches? Riches that money can't buy. And God says, if you'll be faithful in the little things, I'll make you a ruler over many. And he says, I'll entrust to you true riches. So what is fasting? It's just abstaining from something natural for a spiritual purpose. Who did it in the Bible? Well, all throughout the Bible, you got all kinds of people that fasted. Moses fasted 40 days. We're doing 21, and you get to eat oatmeal. You get to eat eggs. You get to eat cheese. You get to eat fruit. You get to eat bread. Man, next 21 days, there's a lot of food that you get to eat. It's not like you, I don't expect to see any of you showing up going, no, you're not going to blow away. There's a lots of things that you can eat. Moses didn't eat anything for 40 days, but he got the Ten Commandments after one of those fasts. I mean, I think it was worth it. I guarantee you he was starving up there. But whenever God showed up and wrote with his own hand on tablets of stone that became the, the rock that built the foundation of the nation of Israel, it was worth it. Moses, uh, uh, Jesus also fasted 40 days. Daniel fasted 21 days. Both of them were visited by angels at the end of their fast. Hannah was barren and could not have a child. But the Bible says that she wept and she ate no food food and after that then the bible says that she became pregnant and not just with any child but she became pregnant with samuel who later went on to anoint solomon and king david and that he was mighty because of why hannah made a choice she says i i need to fast esther the bible says that haman set out to annihilate and kill all the jews hitler was not the only one that tried to kill all the jews the devil's been trying to kill the Jews for centuries. And Haman said, I'm going to wipe out every Jew. I'm going to kill all of them. And he already built the gallows to start hanging them. But the Bible says that Esther says, we will not eat and we will not drink for three days. You're not going to drink for three days, baby. You're hardcore. Because that's almost, that's downright dangerous. You're almost at the point of death after having not consumed liquids for three days. But her attitude was, the gallows out my window are built for me and my family and my friends. And we're going to swing anyway. So I might as well give God the best opportunity 
to do the miraculous. And I believe some of you in here never fasted before that you're going to take this journey and the things that you have not been able to overcome. The things that, that, that have been put in your life to destroy you, God can actually turn it to where the Bible says that the gallows that were built for the Jews after they fasted and praise, uh, prayed, that Haman and all of the cohorts that tried to have the Jews killed, they swung from those gallows by their head. Why? Because of Esther. All throughout the word of God. And I don't have time to talk about Nehemiah and Ezra and the people of Nineveh. And one right after another. Paul fasted. Peter fasted. Jesus fasted. All of these people fasted as a spiritual exercise. And yet lots of times in the 2014 church that we're living in. We don't consider it a staple of the Christian walk. Why? Because it's not comfortable. Those are the people. Why? This is where I want to spend the next 10 minutes, the majority of my time this morning as to why we fast. Because I want to give you some ammo so that by Tuesday when your stomach wants a hamburger, that there's something for you to draw upon that says, you know what, I think I can go without the burger. I'll just have the fries. Which ain't too bad. I got At least we can have fries. Man. But I want to talk about the why this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 says, A three-cord rope is not easily broken. A three-cord rope is not easily broken. In the Old Testament, God lived in a tent. Very strange. But the people of Israel are wandering through the wilderness trying to get to the promised land. And God told Moses, he says, Moses, I want you to build me a tent. And inside that tent, there'll be a special room. And that room will be called the Holy of Holies. And we're going to put a veil up in that tent. And beyond that veil is the Ark of the Covenant. And within that Ark that's gold uh, overlaid, that's where my presence is going to live. And if somebody wants to talk to God, then that priest goes beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies. And my presence will live in that tent. And that tent had to be erected and put up. And every time they moved to another part of the wilderness, they had to take the tent down and they had to put that tent back up. I don't know about you, but I'm glad the Bible says that when Jesus came, that, that now we are the tent of God. In other words, God doesn't live in a man-made tent. He lives in you. And he lives in me. And whenever we want to talk to God, we don't have to get somebody else to kill a goat, take the goat blood, go into the Holy of Holies, and talk to God on our behalf. If you want to talk to God, the Bible says, by the blood of Jesus, you can come boldly to the throne of grace. You can walk right into God's presence because God lives in you. You are the tent. Everybody say, I'm a tent. You're a tent where God lives. Now, I submit to you that Moses, God told Moses very strict instructions. He says, this is how you're going to build this tent. And there's going to be certain ropes that anchor that tent to the foundation. 
You take that tent, you put it on the foundation, you put that tent up, and then there's going to be some three-cord ropes. There's going to be ropes that are going to hold that tent to the foundation so that whenever the wind comes, it doesn't blow that tent all over the place. The tent without the ropes is just laying on the ground. It don't have any power and it's just laying there. You and I are tents where God lives. But there's got to be certain ropes that anchor us down. So that whenever the wind comes and the storm comes and the rain comes, we're not being blown all over the wilderness because we've been anchored down to the foundation of the Word of God. Where's my rope? I brought my yellow rope. You mark. Get set. And it was right here. Did the kids come get it or something? No, I took it out of the sack. Anyway. I actually bought me a three-cord rope. Big, bright yellow one. And if you've ever seen a three-cord rope, they just take three cords... They twist them or make them into one rope. But you can undo each one of those ropes. You can take that three-cord rope and you can turn it into three individual ropes. But whenever those three are put together, there's a strength in that rope. And that strength is lost whenever that rope is, is taken apart. How in the world did it make it all the way down there? Throw it here. Good, good job. Now, here's my three-cord rope. No, I don't need no help. Got this. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because each one of us are a tent. And most of us have been saved. Ask the Lord to come into our heart and be Lord of our life. And we're now God's tent. He lives in us. And the Word of God's our foundation. But lots of times, we just don't, uh, don't have the strength or the stability that we want. And fasting is a spiritual exercise that will give you that strength and that stability. I can prove it to you because if you go to Matthew chapter 6, where we already went for the offering, three different things in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said. He says, when you give, when you give, when you give, when you give, when you give. The next thing he says is, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. In other words, he's already assuming that you're praying. He's just going to teach you how to pray effectively. He said, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give this day our daily bread. So he says, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, pray like this. When you give, when you give, when you give, give like this. The next one he says is, when you fast, when you fast, when you fast, do it like this. And he gives you three spiritual guidelines or principles for your life. And for you to just have the giving without the praying, without the fasting, you're just walking around as a one-cord homie. Uno cord. And there may be some stability and some strength to your life, but when big winds come, you get blown all the way across the wilderness. And somebody's got to come and help you. And most of, many times, people are Christians their whole life with just one rope, two rope, three rope. 
But I'm challenging you to just add a third rope. Jesus is under the assumption that you're already doing this. Or he wouldn't have said when you. He says when you give, don't sound a trumpet. Do this. When you give, do it secretly. When you pray, don't pray with vain repetitions as the hypocrites do in the synagogue. Pray like this. My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed. God, I praise your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. He's teaching you how to pray. And now, at the end of Matthew chapter 6, he says, when you fast, when you fast, when you fast. Because if you want to be anchored and not be bound by addiction and bound by lust and bound by pornography and bound by the the cares of this world, you can anchor yourself and fasting is a spiritual exercise to help you do that. I'm going to read the the part of Matthew chapter 6, verse number 16. He says, moreover, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites and don't have a sad countenance. (laughs) Oh, man. I wish I had about 20 more minutes. We tear the roof off of this place. For they disfigure their faces so that they may appear to men to be fasting. (laughs) I love this. Listen, those of you that have never fasted before, you don't fast or whatever, Jesus is just giving you some guidelines. When you're fasting, don't walk around like... You want to go to Outback? No! I can't go to Outback. I'm fasting for my Savior. Oh, Lord Jesus. He says, listen, when you're fasting, again, he says, this has nothing to do with men. It has nothing to do with men. He goes on and he says, he says right after that, he says, but when you fast, again, he's already, he's assuming that you're doing it. He's saying, when you fast, anoint your head. Throw your head back. Hold your shoulders up. And he says, wash your face. Take a bath, fool. For 21 days, he says, get up, anoint your head. Wash your face and don't act like I'm fasting, I'm fasting, I can't, I'm fasting, I'm doing this for Jesus. No, no, don't, don't, even, don't even go that route. 99% of the time when I'm fasting, you'll never know it. Last year, did lots of fasting and most of my fasting went from Thursday to Sunday. But I didn't come in here and like devour a bunch of brownies on Sunday. Oh God, I've been fasting. Oh my God, I've been, I've been fasting. No, man, no, you never knew it. Nobody, nobody knows. I don't even tell my wife unless she keeps offering me things. Quit offering me that. I'm fasting. Would you stop with the pralines? She makes the best pralines on the planet, man. These things, her pralines, I can't even tell you the secret. Oh, my God, they're so good. And so I have to tell her, I'm like, don't make no pralines for the next three days. Don't do it. I'm going to have a conniption. Don't do it. But, but most of the time he says, listen, when you're fasting, anoint your head, wash your face, and go about your business. And I'll say this, whenever you're fasting, especially, uh, there's some, some aspects of fasting. Like some of y'all don't, let me say this, uh, for me, like I'll take some portion of the next 21 days, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but for three days I won't eat anything, I'll just have water. For say three days. Well I really like caffeine. 
Uh, if you see me, I usually have double shot or I'll drink a, 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 a monster. I'm not opposed to those. I drink coffee in the morning. Well, anytime you go three days just straight water, you're going to have some headaches. You're going to be groggy, probably going to be a little bit sluggish. So sometimes whenever you're fasting like that, you think, oh, the devil's making me have a headache. No, he's not, Dodo. Uh, you've been drinking double shots for the past 12 months. And now all of a sudden you ain't drinking double shots no more. Double shots of the little canned espresso. So he says, so, so, so I'm saying uh, not everything about your fasting will be spiritual. Some of it may be a little bit like taxing on you. But as far as tips are concerned, I want to give you just a few, uh, a few things before I have to let you go. We've got a couple minutes. Uh, I want to give you just a couple of things. Uh, fasting is an act of worship. Say, well, why why are you fasting? It's an act of worship. The Bible says to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt you in due time. So fasting is just saying, God, you're number one. My appetites aren't number one. Uh, My my movies, my entertainment. Jesus said, my entertainment or my meat and my drink is to do the will of the one who sent me. Red letters, that's what Jesus said. He says, the thing that satisfies me is to do the will of the one who sent me, not my meat. Not my drink. He says that's what satisfies me. So it's an act of worship. Fasting is a continual prayer. Some of you have problems praying. I'm like, I just can't get up and pray. I just can't get up and pray. Stop eating. Because fasting is a continual prayer. It's a continual act of worship. Some of you are about to pray for the next 21 days. When's the last time you did that? Some of you never. And you'll see results that you've never seen in your life. Because for the first time in your life, you're going to have a prayer life that will consume your thoughts. Because every time you think about eating that, every time you see a commercial, you're going to remember what you're doing and your act is going to be a continual 21-day prayer before the throne of God. And it'll go up as incense before Him. And what He sees in secret, He'll reward openly. Fasting increases the power of God, the awareness of God in your life. You remember the apostles, they tried to cast the devil out of that boy. His daddy came to Jesus and says, Jesus, I brought, this, I brought my kid to your apostles, but, but they couldn't cast the devil out of him. Jesus said, boom, get out of him. The devils ran out of that kid. The kid got up. He's totally normal. And then later on, the disciples came to Jesus. They said, Jesus, why couldn't we cast the devil out of that, out of that man's son? And Jesus didn't say, well, that was a deity trick. Learned that back at the streets of gold. <laughs> Don't try that, peons. No, he says, some, he says, this comes out only by prayer and by fasting. In other words, he says, once you suppress the natural, then the supernatural is heightened and the power of God will show up in your life. The last one, it says, fasting releases God's blessing. If you keep reading Matthew chapter 6, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. There will be a perpetual adding these next three weeks as you're fasting. As far as tips are concerned, I'm going to be posting on Facebook every day some form of devotional. On the back of one of your papers is a reading outline. I encourage you not to just watch tons of TV. The point of fasting at the beginning of the year is is you're wanting to cleanse yourself from the holidays in 2013. And you're taking January, you're taking a tithe of the year. 
and you're saying, God, I'm tithing this part of my year and I'm trusting that you're going to anoint and bless the rest of my year. So I'm willing to give the first fruits of my 2014 to you. So I encourage you as you're fasting, don't just gorge yourself on entertainment. Take times, read the devotionals, read the reading plans. I'll be pulling devotional from Jensen Franklin. He's got, he does video devotionals, got some great stuff on fasting. I'll be making those things available to you because you're going to need ammo every day because every day you're going to be tempted to, 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 to quit. When, as far as the fast, because there are 21 days, no meats, no sweets. Everybody, I'm trying to answer some questions right now because everybody's like, well, God, where's Cody? I love Cody. And Cody says, what about crawfish? I'm like, well, that's a meat. He says, what about shrimp? That's a meat too. What about oysters? All right, Cody, all seafood is meat. So no seafood, no chicken, no beef. Now, again, if you're on special diets or whatever, I'm telling you, you have to purpose in your own heart what to do. I'm not trying to make up your mind for you. And if you've never done it before, start slow, start small. Me personally, no meats means no meats, but I will be eating eggs. I'll derive my protein so that I can live, function uh, through soy and through dairy. You can eat cheese. You can drink milk. You can uh, eat tofu if you like tofu. And you can eat lots of walnuts, pecans, uh, almonds, Beans, edamame, there's lots of things out there that you can eat if you need to. No meats, no sweets. Sweets is sugar, artificial sweetener. So you can't just like swap out all of your sugar for aspartame. That's even worse for you. I mean, we're trying to do some things helpful for you. Tips for fasting, don't do it alone. You're going to need some people around you. Good to do it as a family, even if you aren't all doing the same thing. The kids are learning about it in, the, in church next door. So your kids will have some awareness as to what's going on. Uh, and then, uh, sorry, the rest of my tips. Be realistic. Don't do something that you want, uh, you know, that you can't maintain. Don't get discouraged. I mean, if you, if you break your fast or whatever, don't beat yourself up. Listen, I like to think of it like this. Whenever I'm doing things for God and, 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 and I, I miss, I'm up to the plate and I miss, I don't feel like God is like, oh, God, stupid. No, he's like... Come on, uh, come on, you can do it. Keep your eye on the ball. Spits the sunflower seeds. Come on, come on, you can do it, you can do it, right? So, I mean, if you swing and a miss and you strike, don't beat yourself up about it. Listen, this is not about you making God happy or thrilling Him or whatever. Listen, this is a spiritual exercise for something to anchor you and to make you stronger. You'll be better, I'm telling you. It's going to be good. It'll be a blessing to your life. 